The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Ketubot has been dedicated by our dear friend Mr. Elliot Shasho. Hashem Yishmineu Vehayehu. May the Zikrut of the Limud of Masechet Ketubot stand for him that he should have Be'ajat Hashem, Ashana Tovam Borechet, Osher Ve'osher Ve'chavod, Shalom Bayit, Ve'atzlacha Be'chol Ma'asei Yadav, and Be'ajat Hashem may he continue to be a supporter of Torah and all holy uh, projects. Amen. This daf is being studied in honor of Musa and Shela Gindi, Hashem Mishmirem Vichayim, dedicated by Yossi, Hashem Mishmirem Vichayehu, to school of Mitzvot. Today's daf is being studied in Lunishmat of Ram Ben Esther. Today's daf is being started for Ashlema, Yosef ben Sarah, and Sarah bat Rachel. Amen. We begin today's daf starting Perik Tishi'i, the ninth Perik. Perik Kotev Ishto, starting from the first Mishnah. Let us just review a, a little Hagdama regarding Nixem Midlog. Nixem Midlog are those properties that a lady brings into the marriage. And there are basically three advantages that a husband has when it comes to the Nixemid Log. Number one, he has rights to benefit from the perot, from the fruits. Uh, number two, in the event that the lady dies, he inherits the Nixemid Log. And number three, the wife has no rights to sell the Nixemid Log uh, to somebody else, meaning the husband can block the sale. Those are basically the three rights. Now we're going to discuss if the husband, let's say, forgave, was mochel, some of these rights, exactly what is the uh, ramifications and how does, this, uh, how does this work. So the Mishnah begins. Hakotev le'ishto. person writes to his wife, Din udbarim en li ben chasayich. He says, I want to have nothing to do with your nechassim, nothing to do with your properties. Not deen, not devarim, not anything. I want, I want to be uh, removed, so to speak, from your properties, from your nechassim milog. So the Mishnah says, what exactly is he removing himself from? Well, hareze ochel perot behayeha. He still can eat perot. Ve'im meta, and if she dies, yorsha, he still inherits them. So then what does it manifest? What does it mean when he says, To what benefit is he removing himself? So it's the third benefit that we discussed, that if she sells it, he's being mochel, he's going to say that the sale is going to be valid. Katavla, but let's say he wrote for her Din Udvarim Enli Benchasaych Ubeperotehem. He stipulates as I have nothing to do with the asset and the fruits of the assets. Hareze Eno Ochel Perot Vehayeha. So that's already he's removing himself from the benefit of Perot. He cannot eat the fruits because normally Nechsen Melong doesn't eat Perot. The Imeta Yorsha, but still. He does not remove himself from the benefit. After she dies, he will still inherit. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Le'olam ochel pere perot, Ad shi'ikhtov la 
דין ודברים אין לי בנכסייך ובפירותיהם ובפרי פירותיהם עד עולם. רבי יהודה שיטה is that when a person's writing this stipulation, if he only wrote that I'm removing myself from פירותיהם, it does not exclude him from פירות פירותיהם. We'll see exactly what is פירות פירותיהם. But according to the Be'uda, just writing perot, he's only removed from perot, but the perot of the perot he can still have. Therefore he has to write perotehen u perot perotehen. Then he becomes removed. Meaning just with the language perotehen does not exclude him from perot perotehen. That's the Mahalokat where Tanakhama will say, just by writing perot, that includes everything ad olam. And the Gemara will explain the nature of this machloket, the Mishnah continues. Katav la din udbarim eni ben chasayich ubeperotehem ubeperreperotehem bechayayich umotech. Well, that's the most explicit. He wrote, I do not want to have anything to do. I'm removing ourselves from the nechasim, from the perot, from the pereperot. In your life and even after your death, en ochel perot bechayayich. So number one, he does not eat perot. This case over here, he removes himself even after death, and therefore he does not inherit the property after uh, she dies. In all cases, no matter what he writes and no matter what he stipulates, he always will inherit his wife's nechsem milog after death. Why? Because she can't stipulate on such a thing. Because according to Rashbag, it is the Torah law that a husband inherits his wife. And they learn it from Pesukim, Rashi quotes a Gemara from Babatra Kufir Aleph, that says, And the Gemara's Doresh, is his wife, and it says, from his family, and he's Yoresh. And if his wife dies, the Torah says it's his. And we have a rule, the Mishnah concludes, that if you make a condition on a law from the Torah, the Tanai means nothing. And therefore, when the guy comes along and says, I'm being matne, that I'm removing myself from the Yerusha, after you die, you can't do that. The Torah already gives you that uh, right, and the Torah says it's yours, and therefore you cannot make a condition that goes against what the Torah says. So Rajbag argues on the opinion of Tanakhama before that said he can remove himself from the Yerusha. Now the Gemara, well actually Rashi tells us, Perot is only a Takanad Rabbanan. Therefore he can remove himself from Perot. He can make a Takana on that, a Tanai on that. But on the Deoraita, he cannot make a Tanai. Comes the Gemara and says, Al Mishnah wrote, Hakotev Le'ishto. He writes in the star to his wife, Din v'devarim eni ben chasayich. So the Gemara says, Tenir b'hiya ha'omer le'ishto. Doesn't only have to be in writing. Even if he just verbally made such conditions with his wife, the condition is hal. That she says, Tenir b'hiya ha'omer le'ishto ve'lo teni kotev. Dashmi'ina d'ba'amira ba'alma. Nameh salik nafsheh ve'lo shum kinyan uchtiba. Even without an actual acquisition, without writing, if a person says din udbarim, any benichsayich, so what he's giving up, according to the Mishnah, is he's giving up the rights that he cannot freeze the properties. 
He's giving up his rights and therefore should be able to sell them and the sale will be kayam. So the Mishnah is saying that not only kitiba, even if he just made an amira, comes the Gemara and says, Vechi katav Even if he wrote such a stipulation, what is it? What is its value? Why? We learned in a Braita. A person tells his friend, their partner's in a field together. So he tells his partner, Din udbarim en li al sadezu. I don't want to have anything to do with this field. Ve'en li esek ba. And I have no more business in this field. Ve'yadi misulek etemena. And my hand is removed from it. He used all terminologies that are implying or explicitly saying he wasn't having anything to do with it. It, means it sounds like he's trying to absolve the partnership. And still what does the Gibbara say? Lo amar klum. He didn't say anything. Because bottom line that she says, en cham lashon matana. Which means when you want to give your partner the business, you have to write it in a way where you're giving him a gift. He just said, I have nothing to do with the business, and the Isaac, and the Din Vidibarim, Yadim Misuleket. All those terminologies are just saying he's pulling himself away, but you didn't give the partner the 50% of the business. So until you say Matana, it's not a Kenyan. So why then in the Mishnah, where the husband is giving the lady her rights back, or he's removing himself, but he didn't say matana, for example, in the case where he writes pirotehen. So what happens? He absolves himself from the pirot, now the lady gets to eat the pirot. What do you mean? He didn't say matana, he just said din v'divarim enli, you have to give back. Which means, we're learning now from this case of the field, that just by saying din v'divarim enli, that's not, that's not a kenyan, that's not a, that's not a matana. Comes Gabriel says, "Amre deber bi'anai bechotev la ve'oda arusa." Aha. The case of here, the Mishnah, is a little different than the way we were learning it. He's writing this when she's still in arusa, meaning the perot never came to him. When she's still in arusa, who owns the field and the perot? She does. So the Hidush of the Mishnah is, he's not giving anything of his. He's just blocking it from coming to him. So before it comes to him, he's able to say, Deen v'divarim the Elisa, I don't want anything to do with this, and if it won't come to him. But in the Khanami, if it came to him already, the only way to absolve himself or give it back, he has to say, Lashon, Matana. And that's what the Rashi says over here. Let's read Rashi, Bechotev la ve'oda arusa. Vada'i misha karka shelo. Vada'i. In a place where the karka belongs to somebody. Ubal, litno lahabero. And he wants to gift it to his friend. Sarih lashon matana. You need to use the lashon matana. Umatnitin bekotevla ad shelo zachab benechasim. But our Mishnah is talking about where he wasn't zocher yet to the nechasim. Umatneima, the condition that he's making is shelo yizkeh b'hen nechshi yisaena. That I don't want to be, I'm blocking it. I don't want to be in koneh when I get married. Then sarih lashon matana. Shere elo achshav reshut b'hem. He doesn't own it to say matana. It's not his, she's Arusa. And the Arusa, who owns the pirot? She owns the pirot. So in such a case where you're just blocking the kinyan from coming to you, he says, I don't want the pirot. I don't have to say, I'm giving you a matana. It's not yours to give a matana yet, you're Arusa. And therefore, all he has to say is, I don't want have anything to do. So that's the difference between the two cases. Again, in the case of a field where we're partners, I own half the field. So if I want to give you back, uh, if I want to relinquish my partnership, I have to say I'm giving you a matana. 
I can't just say I have nothing to do with the field. That's not a lashon. Mashiach, in this case over here, I don't own anything yet. I'm just saying that when I get married, I don't want to have any rights. So that's already deemed for the very strong. Like Rav Kana's rule. What does Rav Kana say? The Rav Kana. If a person, let's say, has an inheritance that comes to him from a, not, let's say, from his family uh, inheritance, but comes to him, let's say, um, uh, he gets married. So the Nahala comes from his wife, let's say. She inherited something through a marriage. Okay? So, Adam matne ale, a person can make a condition, shelo yirashena. He can make a condition to say, I do not want to inherit this property for whatever reason. Look at Nashim makom ahir, she'ena yirushat abotav. Yerushat Abotav is automatic. It's a Torah law that comes to him. Ela ayedem maasav tavolo kegon nechalat ishto habaalo al yedem nisuin shelo doilu mishum takanta dide tikun rabanan, which is the rabbi's to his benefit said you yoresh your wife. Vehu vehu baal demchol alia mochel, which is listen. The rabbis, whenever the rules like this, whenever the rabbis make a takana to the benefit of let's say the husband. The husband has a right to be mochel, because they only made the takana to his advantage. They didn't make a takana if he doesn't want it. So they the same thing over here, which means this guy over here is getting Yerusha from his wife. So he's able to say, listen, I'm not interested. He doesn't have to say matana. He can just block it from uh, from coming to him. Similarly, uchte Like Rabaz lo ha'omer Simple. Guys, I'm not interested in the takana of the hachamim. Kegonzu, like this case, we'll see what the case he was talking about. Shumrim lo. We listen to him. And that's the same case with perot is a takana of the hachamim. It's his benefit to eat the perot. So he's allowed to come along and say, I'm not interested in EFG. EFG, so therefore, I said, we're only giving you the perot if you're interested in the benefit. If you're not interested in the benefit, you don't have to think of it. He's allowed to block it. So now that comes the Gibran and says, My kegonzu. Rava said kegonzu like this case. What is this case that Rava was referring to? Kedravuna amarav. Damaravuna amarav. Yechula isha. We learned this case earlier. A lady is able to tell her husband, any nizonet, the any osa. She can come along and say, listen, I'm not interested, don't give me mizonot, and I'm not giving you ma'asayadayim. We're going according to the opinion over here that said, the whole takana of mizonot was to the lady's benefit. Now what? They wanted to do her a favor. What's that benefit? Because maybe she's not going to have enough ma'asayadayim to support herself. So the rabbi said, you know what? You give the husband the ma'asi Adam and he'll support you with uh, mizonot. But since it's to her benefit, she has a right to come along and say, listen, I'm not interested in the benefit. Keep your uh, mizonot and I'll keep my ma'asi Adam. Now she says, Kederavuna, a mizonot shetiknu le'isha ta'at ma'asi Adam. Ve'i amra, i'efshi betakanazu, I'm not interested in this takana, shetiknu hachem letovati, shehashu lechol anashim zimnin delosfike. Because they were concerned that maybe she's not going to have enough from a ma'asiyah to support us. And he said, I don't need it. Why doesn't she need it? So she gives you some scenarios. I don't want to work. I'm very finicky. I don't want to obligate myself to do work. I'll find mezonot myself from somewhere else. Or, yeshli mezonot, umanut, yekara, yeter ad kedeh mezonotai. Or she comes along and says, listen, I'm making so much money, it's not worth me to give you my mezonot, my ma'asiyadayim to get food. I'll, you keep the food, and I'll keep my money, and I'll support myself. So therefore, and watch, she has a right to do that. So you see, when it comes to a takanad rabbanan, you're able to say, this is not to my benefit. Similarly, in our Mishnah, 
This whole thing of perot, it's the rabbi's takana. We're giving the husband perot to eat from the uh, fruit, so he could come along and say, I'm not interested. So that to give us, and how are we learning the case is talking about where he is in arusa, they're arusa in the engaged state, where the perot did not come to him yet, therefore does not to say, I'm giving it to him as a matana, because he never required it, that he has to give it back. He can just block it by saying, Din v'debarim enli. So the Gebarah says, if that's the case, afilu Even then, at the time of marriage. Rashi, third white line, mishum didehu. If you give me a rule now, that any time the rabbi has made a takana to benefit, let's say, the husband, and they could just say, I'm not interested in it. Bottom line, once they get married, isn't the perot also mitrabanan? Yes, it's still takana rabbanan. And you told me a rule, that the husband has a right to be mochel, the takana that the rabbis did for him. So why did you tell me, Rabbi Yanai, that the case is talking about where it's only arusa? If he has a right to be mochel, even when she's in the su'a, even when the perot came to him, he has a right to say, so why did you only establish the case when she's in Arusa? Even in the Nisua, he should be able to say, and therefore, keep the perot. So the Gebra says, you're right, Amar Kiyada. Because of another issue. Once they're married, Yado Kiyada literally means his hand is like her hand. Which means, Rashi, He's considered like a partner in the field. Well, he's getting the perot, she owns the field. So basically we look at that, as he's an equal partner with her. Rashi continues, which means since at the time of the marriage, we look at the Nechsim, we look as a partnership, when he's going to come along and say, Din v'divarim enli, that's not enough to say Din v'divarim, you're a partner. Didn't we learn by partner, you have to say, Matana? And since he didn't say Matana, so it's not going to work. Rava even takes it a step further. Rava comes along and says, uh, So Ravah comes along and says that what? Yado Adifa Miyada. That his hand is even stronger. Which is, he agrees to the first of him is even more. Which means when you have Nechsemi Log and you have the right that he eats Perot, he's not an equal partner. His partnership is even stronger. So called Sheken, he has to say Matana. Now the Gebarah is going to say, well, what's the Nafkemenai? In our case, there's no Nafkemenai between whether they're equal partners or he's a stronger partner. Either way, Din V'divarim is not going to be enough to absolve himself. That's why we have to say the case is talking about Arusa. Before the property comes to him, he can block it with a Din V'divarim in But once they're married, either Yado Kiyada or Yado Adifa, but certainly the only way to, to block it in that case, he has it already. And according to the Nafkemenai, he's even a stronger partner. See, the only way he can get rid of it is by saying Nashon, Matana. But where do we see a nafkamina between either equal or stronger? So the Gemara says there is a nafkamina, and the nafkamina is nafkamina le shomeret yavam. In the case of a shomeret yavam, what's the case of shomeret yavam? Let's read Rashi. Nafkamina le shomeret yavam. Kilomar le anyan din udebarim lo peligi. 
In the case of the Mishnah Badim, there's no argument. Deben yado ki yada. Uben yado adifa mi yada. En mu'il ba lashon din vedibarim lesaleko. Din vedibarim is not enough. You have to say matana. Uflukta da abaye verabas. So where is their argument manifest? Le'anyan shomeret yavam et starich ubi yibamot ifligu ba abaye verabas beperek acholetz. Back to a case that we had above in the Mishnah in the previous Perek. What was the case? So she says, Ba'isha Shomeret Yabam. Shomeret Yabam, Shenaftulah Nechassim. She was a Shomeret Yabam. She's waiting for Yibum. And what? Nechassim felt her. She inherited now Nechassim from her father. Diktani Meta. Then she died. So if you remember, we had a Mahloket Betchamai Betelel. What do you do? Who gets the asset? Betchamai said, you split it. Half goes to her father, and half goes to the Yavam. Abitalel says, Hazaka. Since the Hazaka, that the Nechsem Elog will buy her, because she owns the Nechsem Elog, so it goes to the, to her father. And then we get what she says, Ah, Abaye learned the case, we have to add this into the case. That was so, when did the properties come to her? When she was still married to the first husband. And so the properties came to her. Then the husband died. She became a Shomeret Yavam. And then she died. Kasabar Abaye. And Abaye holds Yado Kiyada. If you hold Yado Kiyada, meaning the husband, the original husband, and the wife, they're equal partners in that property. Yadoki yada, lefika, keshemet, when the first husband died, venafla lefiyabam umet, and then she died, adjelon nitabema yorsheha, the yorsheha bashnehem baim dirash. Both sides are coming to inherit. Zemikoa achoto, the zemikoa achiv. Because both have rights over, because we just said yadoki yada, which means they both really have a halik in this. So when, he, when she dies now, her family is coming along and saying, hey, we're representing her, our sister. Now, therefore, we want the money. And the Yavans come along and saying, I'm representing my brother. He had a halik as well. And that's why Bet Shammai Haluka Adifa. So Bet Shammai says, you know what? Split it evenly. Because they both have claims. So what do you do when both have claims? Since she had Yada, they both have claims. You know what? Split it. Ubetelel Hazaka Kamaita Adifa. Bet says, you're right. They both have claims. So what do you do when they both have claims? Don't split it. Work with a Hazaka. Who had, the, who had the ownership first? The lady, the girl. Because the Nechsem Elogah has originally. So therefore what? Give it to her father. Nefikach. Nechsem Elogah Bechizkat Yorsheha'av. Beautiful. So that's where Abaye understands the case of Shomerit Yavam. It starts off where she inherited the properties when she was married. You got the Yadok Yada business. So therefore both sides have claims. And now the Mahlokah is, what, how do you work with a case where there's claims on both sides? Do you work with it with a Halukah, or do you work with it with a Hazakah? Upeligi argues on The Amar, he says like this, tahtav, that if the Yerusha felt that when she was married to the first husband, dekhula'ama yadoshil ba'al adifa miyada, Rava says no. Yado Adifa. And since Yado Adifa, if the properties would have fell when she's still married, 
So therefore, he has a bigger hold on them. Therefore, when he dies, the Yavam takes the place of the brother, and he has a stronger hold on them. There's no question. In that case, for sure, it's going to go all to the Yavam, because Yado Adifa. And right there's enough Kamina. We're according to Abaye that says Yado Kiyada, that's a Machlok of Betelel. But if you say Yado Adifa, give it to the Yavam, because he fills the place of the husband. Since the husband is Yado Adifa, now he's not around anymore, so the Yavam fills in the place. Right? According to Rabbah, if she dies, her Yoshim gets nothing. Also, what's the Mahlok in the Mishnah? The Mahlok in the Rabbah is not when she inherited the properties when she was married to the first husband, when she was a Shumanit Yabam, she inherited the properties. Oh, so you don't have the Yado Adifa, therefore it's a Mahlok in the Mishnah. So you see the Nafkamina between Yado Kiyada or Yado Adifa will manifest itself in the case of A. Shomerit Yabam, as we explained over here. I'll explain it to you just quickly one more time, which means we have a Mishnah. And in the Mishnah we have a Mahloket Betchamai Betelel. What do you do when a lady was Yoresh uh, uh, goods, uh, property? Who do you split it between? Who do you give it? Do you give it to her side or do you give it to his side, to the Yabam side? So according to Abayah, he learns the case is talking about what? When she inherited the stuff when she was still married to the first husband. Oh, still married to the first husband. So what do you have? You have a law of Yado Kiyada. So they both have a headache in it. It's like they're partners. So Bet Shammai says, you're right, they're partners. So the best thing to do with partners, when she, the husband dies and then she dies, split it amongst the families. Bet says, I agree. Yadoki yada, but you know what the best thing to do in that case is? Hazaka. According to Rabbi, says, no. In that case of if she inherited it when she was still married to the first husband, Yado Adifa. It's nothing to talk about. It's the husband. Therefore, when he dies, the Yavan fills his place. He gets everything. The Mahlokah is according to him. It's talking about where she was Yorisht only after the husband. No, that's the Mahlokah with Shammai. And Betelel comes the Gemara and continues with a question. Ibaya lehu. has a question. Kanum yado mahu. Which means, we're giving the regular cases of Amishnah. Guy said, Deen v'divarim in li b'nechasayich. Right? So we said that's really a quasi-language, not going to affect the perot. He still eats perot. Let's say he did a kinyan as well. He didn't just say din v'divarim enli. He took a sudar, a handkerchief, they shook on it, kinyan. So do you say, well, when you're making the kinyan, that already is, you know, he's strengthening his uh, language over there. Maybe it's like a matana. Or do you say maybe... All he's doing is strength, strengthening the nothing that he said. And since he said, Deen v'dvarim, and even means nothing, he's just confirming that nothing happened over here. So the Gebran says, Iba'yelehu. Gebran's a question. Kanu miyado ma'u. Amar of Yosef. Middin udbarim kanu miyado. Yeah, you know what the Kenyan is reinforcing? The Deen udbarim. And therefore, doesn't add to it. It just adds to the nothing that was said. And therefore, he still can eat perot. Okay? Let's read that in the sheaf. We can see that. Kanumi yado mahu. Abraita da omer lechavero. Din udvarim enli al sadezu. Forgive me. Rashi's learning the case that this is going back specifically on the braita. On the case of the field. Now, we have to see why he's not learning like we said. But it's going back on the field where the guy comes along and says, Dean v'divarim any their partners. I got nothing to do with you. So what do we say? It means nothing. He's still a 50-50 partner. So the Kabbalah is asking, what if he uh, comes along and says, Dean v'divarim, and he makes a kinyan, shakes hands with the guy with the sudar. 
Does that make it better with? So that she says, Davka going on that bright, Avala Matnitin. But in the case of the Mishnah, Lo Mehenya Kinyan, Liyapot Koha. Which is, even if he makes a Kinyan, there's no Hava Amina to say that she gets an advantage. Why? Which means, really in the Mishnah, you don't need a Kinyan. All the guy had to be a little more explicit, even if he didn't say the word Matana, he just said in the Mishnah, any din v'devarim you don't need a kinyan to make anything in the Mishnah. Just to be just a little more explicit in his uh, terminologies, he can remove himself. It's not because there's anything wrong technically with the words din v'devarim. It's because it's just a vague terminology. He... You're right, din v'devarim enli is a removal. But a removal to what? Since he didn't say explicitly what is he removing himself from, which benefits, so therefore, the rule, generally speaking, is, now the lady comes with a star, right? She comes for a star. He said, din v'devarim enli. Okay, so what do you want? You want, you want to take away from everything? He didn't say what? So therefore, always the din is yada ala tahtona. She has the disadvantage now to remove him from the most minimal advantage. And therefore, the reason is not because Dean Vindavarim is anything uh, uh, problematic in those Lashon. It's just that since he didn't say explicitly, therefore you can't remove him from uh, Perot. And the proof is, later on in the Mishnah, when he says, Dean Vindavarim enli Perotayich, you don't need a Kenyan. You don't need to take a Sudar out. It's enough right away, and he's removed from. She can come along and said, Oh, you said, you meant everything. You prove what he meant. He didn't say it, therefore, the burden of proof is on the, the lady. Kinyan in the Mishnah doesn't make a difference. That wasn't the issue in the Mishnah, that it wasn't bonafide by a Kinyan or not. The issue in the Mishnah was. The terminology, the language. Ela abaraita kabaela. Abdiktani lo amar klum. Over there in the Braita, when he came along and said, Din vidivarim, what was the language of the Braita? Lo amar klum vitama mishum giri utadilishna. Which means, exactly, that's an inferior language. Which means, let's review what the Ashish says. She's saying it's very important, Samarote. He's saying like this. Din v'devarim in our Mishnah is really a good language, by the way. For, for perot that are coming to the, to the husband, for him really to say din v'devarim enli, since the whole thing is a takanad banan, that they're giving it to him as advantage. So technically when he says din v'devarim enli b'nechasak, that should really be enough just for him to remove himself. So it's not a hasaron in the language per se. So why did the Mishnah say that he still eats perot? The difference over there is because it's a vague terminology. Because she's holding a shtar that says, Deen v'devarim enli. What did he remove himself from? He didn't say explicitly what. So she's going to come along, of course, and say, from everything. Well, the Betty is going to come along and say, hold it. Before you start removing him from everything, 
you got to go with the star. Yada ala tahtona. And the proof of the pudding is later on in the Mishnah when he says, Yadi the endi din v'devarim benechasaychu beperotayich. Or when he says it explicitly, he's removed from the perot, even though he only said lashon din v'devarim. So you see what you see that din v'devarim at least for this is a terminology that is able to is able to work. When it came to the brayta of the field. They're partners. So he comes along and says, there's 50% partner. Din v'devarim enli. Where's the language of the Braita? Lo amar klum. He said, lo amar klum. He said nothing. That means what? That lashon din v'devarim, it's not even a good language by, 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 by a partnership. Also, to that, the Gibbara wants to know, maybe a kinyan is able to strengthen it to make it worth something. In the Mishnah, but whether it's a Kenyan or not, that's not the issue. It's the vagueness that was the issue in the Mishnah. Once he's more clear, then we'll, uh, we'll go with the clarity. Mashiach, when you're telling me in the bright that you said nothing, that's much, but it's a Hassaron in Deen V'Devarim. So now I want to know, a guy makes a Kenyan with it. He's with a Sudar. Maybe it's valuable. To that, Rabbi Yosef comes along and says, you know what? It's confirming nothing. And that's what the next verse she says. Ma'u, mi amrinan. It's still back to the din v'devarim, which is nothing. The guy's not taking out a handkerchief and making a kenyan unless he wants something to be hal. Which is the way kenyan sudar works. I'm koneh the sudar and I'm giving you back a which is like they say, Halipin. Right? Which means, uh, I'm giving you a matana, which is, I'm taking the Sudar. That's what I'm calling the Sudar. That's what I get. And what I'm giving you back is 50% of the field. That's the way a Sudar works. So that's the question that the Gemara is asking. And the Gemara answers. Look at the next Rashi. Last Rashi on the Amud. Midin udbarim kanu biyado. Ma shepiresh ala kenyan kanu miyado. Vula shun din udbarim ve'enoklum. The kenyan is just fortifying the din v'devarim. It's not a new item. And therefore, it remains that he does not, not the partnership was not dissolved. Comes the Gebra and says, that's Rav Yosef Shita. Rav Nachman Amar, Megufa Shilkarka Kanu Miyado. He says, No. When you make a Kenyan Sudar, that's already hitting the real estate, and he's given back the 50%, and the partnership is dissolved. You're right. Din Vidivarim alone is nothing. Din Vidivarim, when you put a Kenyan Sudar, already it changes the whole, the whole thing. So we have a fantastic Mahlokan over here between Rav Yosef and Rav Nachman by a field. If he says, Din Vidivarim, Eli Basadeh, and he followed it by a Kenyan. Is it something or not? Marabaye comes along and says, Mistavra, Milta, de Rabbi Yosef. It makes sense that that which Rabbi Yosef said, that the Kenyan doesn't enhance anything, it just enhances the deen b'devarim, which is nothing. Be'orer. That's talking about where the guy is me'orer, he's complaining. Which means... He comes along, he says, Deen and he tells us part, I got nothing to do with you anymore. 
there's a Kenyan and all that. And shortly thereafter, he says, hey, hey, I didn't mean it uh, to give you back uh, my partnership. I was just doing it like a prayer. I was hoping that I have, uh, you know, there won't be any fights uh, between us. Like, I was just saying, hope we won't have any issues over there. What do you think? So only when he contests, then already will say that the Kenyan is just uh, confirming the Dim uh, which was nothing. Look at Ashi, Be'orer. Now, the other guy, the partner, the friend says, Okay, thank you, you gave me back the 50%. He's coming to take it. The other guy gets up. Hey, what are you doing? Taking my matana. All I was saying is, I don't have any fights with you and all that. I was making the goodwill, but I wasn't uh, giving you a field. That's what Yosef said the Kenyan means nothing. However, about Be'omed. But if the guy didn't say anything, the guy comes along to take uh, the field, and this guy is uh, standing uh, silent, Rashi, Yom or Yomayim, even one or two days, he doesn't say anything, then after comes and says, hey, I didn't mean it, too late. Because we have to suspect trickery, which means the guy kept quiet, because he really meant to give him 50%, then somebody told him, hey, listen, if you're you'll get it back. So therefore, we say that wasn't his intent. And therefore, the Gemara says, "About be'omed, negufa shel karka kanu miyado." Comes the Gemara and says, "Amara meimor hilcheta." What's the halacha? Negufa shel karka kanu miyado, which is the pesach halacha really is that once he comes along and makes a kinyan, the kinyan really means. And therefore he reneges on his partnership and he has to give the 50% right away. So he asked him, when you said this, which is, do you make this chiluk of here between orer and omed? So he comes along and says, meaning, what's enough kamina? So he says, what do you mean, what's enough kamina? Rabbi Yosef, didn't Rabbi Yosef give that chiluk? I didn't hear it. Klomar los virali. I don't hold of it. Which means, I don't have this haluk over here. Bottom line, I hold it the kinyan that you made with the sudar is a kinyan. So it doesn't matter. He's, on me, on, he's, he's, he's contesting, not contesting. The kinyan is a kinyan. So I told him, do you hold this haluk? Uh, what haluk are you talking about? The haluk of Rabbi Yosef. I'm not interested. I don't hear that haluk. That means I don't hold that haluk. Therefore, he holds that what? Like Rabbi Nachman comes to Gibran and says, we learned in the Mishnah, a guy writes, his wife, so he's still able to eat perot, because he doesn't remove himself from perot behayeha, and he also doesn't remove himself from yirusha, meaning if she dies, he's also yoresh. So the Gemara says, imken lama katavla, which means, what does this din v'devarim manifest? The Mishnah said, it manifests itself like a that if she sells the nechseh the sale is a sale. Meaning normally a lady cannot sell nechseh melog. The right husband has rights to nechseh melog. Mm. So when he comes along and says, Din v'divarim enli he must have meant something. Perot he still has. Yerushai still has. So, so what are you writing it for then? So the Mishnah says he's, re- he's relinquishing one right. The right that she has a right to sell it, and the sale is going to be kayam. Asks, let the lady tell the husband, okay. <laughs> She has a star. The star says, 
the Bishnah says he only removes himself from one of the items. Yeah, let her come along with the star and let us say, listen, he removed himself from everything. I get all three. I'm taking perot. Uh, he's not your ass for me, and I'm selling it. So the Gemara gives a very important rule from Abaye. Amar Abaye, Yad Baal Shetar Ala Tachtona. The one that's holding the star, his advantage is on the bottom, which means he doesn't have advantage. She doesn't have advantage. Yado, his her strength is on the bottom, which means like this. It's a vague language. This this document. In the din v'devarim b'nechsayich. Now she's coming along. She wants to enforce it to the full measure of the of the of the document. You have no din v'devarim. You're getting nothing. You're holding the shtad. You want to take away everything. What does it say in the shtad exactly that he gave away everything? Did it, does it say perot? Does it say yirusha? No, it doesn't say anything. So therefore, we're not going to uh, take away. We're going to take away the least item, the least beneficial item. And we'll see why it's the least beneficial item. But we're going to take away the least beneficial item, not to hurt the husband the most. Perot hurts him. If you take it away, Yerusha hurts him, but the sale is the least damaging towards him. Therefore, on a vague document, you take away the most the minimum the, the minimum item that, that hurts him. So comes the Gemara and says, Okay, now we're going to go through all three cases now. So why did you say that the Baal removed himself from Achilat Perot? Now, you could assume that maybe Achilat Perot is the least of it. Why? Because once she sells the field, there's no more Yerusha. So he loses everything. He cannot eat. There's no Perot and there's no Yerusha. So therefore, let him, let us, to the advantage of the husband again, let us just say he was Mesalek himself for Perot. What are you gaining? The field is still there. Uh, when she dies, the field can. Go back to him. Yeah. So comes the Gibran says, Amar Abayeh, Bosina Tav Mikara, which literally means a small uh, gourd, now is better than a big squash later on. Which means a small profit in the present is better than maybe a bigger profit later on. And therefore, the zechut, to eat perot right now, is more beneficial to him than a potential zechut later on that she's going to, uh, you know, sell a field and uh, lose, uh, lose the property, which means to him it's advantageous to eat perot now. Which is even though you're going to tell me, maybe Mesalek himself uh, from uh, perot, take away that item, no, that item, he, wa- he wants that item. Perotim is, is a very beneficial, even though it's not the most uh, monetarily uh, beneficial, but uh, that to him is beneficial. He's getting it now. So we're not taking away perot. Right, long term, it's not the best option to have these perot. Uh, long term is he wants to have the Yerusha. Uh, long term is you really, maybe you shouldn't sell it. That's really the advantage, not selling it. But you know what? If it's not selling it, which is a very big advantage to him, or eating perot right now, He'd rather a small gourd now than to wait till it becomes something bigger later. So therefore, we're not taking away a bigger advantage of eating the perot. So the Gemara then asks, Ve'emam Yerusha. 
which means maybe take away the option of Yerusha. Now, first of all, it's not immediate. It's something that's later on. He still gets to eat the perot, so he's, he's happy with that option. And really, she's not going to be able to sell it because uh, he's eating the perot. And therefore, uh, let him uh, take away the... Uh, that, see, that's the best advantage to him. Let him eat perot. Let the, let the field be frozen. And what is he giving up? I'm giving up my Yerusha. That should be the least harmful to the husband in that case. You understand why it's least harmful? Because by giving up Yerusha, he's ensuring Pirot, and he's ensuring that she can't sell it. So he's good, he's happy. So uh, the far out Yerusha, he can eat forever. So it comes to Gebron and says, Amar Abayyeh, says, Mita Shechiha, Mechira Lo Shechiha. Now, what is more prevalent? So the Gebron says, Death is more prevalent as opposed to Mechira selling the assets, which means a lady doesn't usually sell the assets that she got from her father, because there's like a sentimental thing there, and she doesn't want to sell. So therefore, there's more of a concern, a, a, a chance, that death will happen, than selling. Based on that, the Gebarah says, When a person is removing himself from benefits, which means he's going to remove himself from things that are less odds. And that's why the sale of the field. However, but I'm not going to remove, he's not going to remove himself from the item that's more prevalent, from the death. And therefore, if it's between Yerusha and selling, he assumes that what? There's less odds that she's going to sell this field. There's more odds that a lady's going to die than she's going to sell a field. So therefore, if he's going to remove himself from one of those two options, he's going to take it to his, his advantage. You know what? I'm going to take it to the, the item that's going to happen the least. What's that? Mechira. So that's why when the guy has a vague document, when the lady comes with a vague document that says, Deen v'devarim enli, we assume that what he's removing himself was that she's going to allow him to sell the profit, to sell the field. Even why? Because in his mind, he's thinking, she's not selling the field so fast, that's not so shia. So that's the, uh, that's the understanding. That's one logic of how to explain the Mishnah of the deen, the devarim, why it's specifically that item of the selling of the field that is misulah. Comes the Gemara and says, another answer. Okay, what's the question? The question is, why that? Why, when it says Din v'devarim, uh, why specifically you say it's the field uh, not uh, that he's giving his right to, to, to sell the field? How about the other two? Mm-hmm. So Rav gives a different answer. Rav Amar Rav says, Bin velo Let's let let's read the document. Rav says. Study the document. Study the language of the star. It says in the star, Din v'devarim eni b'nechsayich. Did he mention perot to him? He didn't mention the word perot. Therefore, he can still eat perot. B'nechsayich. In your assets, ve'lo la'achar mitah. Which means, la'achar mitah, they're not her assets anymore. They become his assets. So therefore, the only thing that he was giving away is, I don't have anything with your nechassim, meaning you could sell it. Mm-hmm. 
Meaning, it's just read the document according to Rav Hashem. Medayek lashon of the star. Nechasayich, velo beperot. I didn't say anything about perot. Nechasayich, as long as they're yours. After death, they're mine. And I, and I, I didn't talk about my, my relinquishing my rights when they're mine. And therefore, nechasayich, I'm giving you the rights to sell. That's what Rav Hashem says. Now we go back to our Mishnah. New point. We learned the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Le'olam hu ochel pere perot. New point now. Rabbi Yehuda said, If the guy just writes in the star, Din v'davarim enli b'nechsayich u'beperot, It's just perot. But he gets to eat what's called pere perot. Until he writes in the star, Din v'davarim enli lo b'nechsayich v'lo b'perot v'lo b'pere perot ad olam. Comes the Kabbalah and says, Tanu Rabbanan. First we have to get terminologies now. What is perot? What is pere perot? Tanu Rabbanan. Eluhen perot ve'eluhen pere perot. Hechnisa lo karka ve'asta perot arehen perot. Machar perot ve'lakach men karka ve'asta perot arehen pere perot. Okay, which means, you have a field. So you bought a field. He's eating the fruit. That's perot. They took those perot. They bought another field with those perot. And now that field is producing perot, that it's considered pere perot. Good, now we know what it means. Now we want to understand the Biudah Shita. Because the Biudah and the Mishnah was very clear. In order for the husband to give up pere perot, which is everything, he has to write pere perot le'olam. That's like a double, double language over there. So we want to really know which is the ikar terminology. Or maybe both is the Ikar terminology. And I think I'm going to explain. Ibayilu. Safek in the Bet Midrash. Rabbi Yehuda. Kot Rabbi Yehuda. Pere Perot Davka is the main terminology in the star Pere Perot and not the word Ad Olam. Which means once he says Din V'Devarim Enni Alayik B'Nechasayik U'Be Pere Perot that means Everything, and you don't really, uh, that word le'olam is really not the uh, ikar world. It's enough really to write, you don't know, have to write the word le'olam. And on the contrary, if let's say we just write in the star, perot ad olam, it would not include pere perot. You understand what that side comes out? Let me repeat what I just said. The key words is adding pere perot to him. That has to be in the star. Adolam is really not the main words. Nafkamina, if the guy would write, I am removing myself from perot adolam. That doesn't exclude pere perot. That just means he's saying, I will never eat perot. But perot perot, I'm going to eat. Which means, pere perot is the ikar word. Adolam is not the item. That's one way of learning. Yeah? Or Dilma, version number two. Ad olam dafka. The opposite. The key word in the star is what? Ad olam. And therefore, technically, as long as he gets the ad olam, even if he didn't put the pere perot word in there, you're okay. Which means, he writes, any ochel perot ad olam, that includes pere perot, because he got the ad olam in there. Third version, odilma tarvayu dafka. Well, you know what? You got to write both. And until you write, Pere Perotehem Le'olam, it doesn't include Pere Perot. Those are the three options that the Gemara is questioning now according to Rabbi Yehuda. 
So the Gemara says, "Intem selomar pere perot dafka." Adolam namali. So what do you write? Adolam for the Mishnah, which means the Mishnah said he wrote pere perot leolam. Well, if you just have to write pere perot, what would you have to write leolam for? Then pere perot is the main words. So the Gemara says you're right. I can tell you, all the Mishnah is coming to tell you, you should know, when you write those words, it is as if he wrote, Adolam. So we just, they're equal. And therefore we're just, we're just saying it. The words, is enough. And we just wrote it. Adolam, know that this terminology really means, Adolam, that's, I could justify it. Version number two. Adolam davka, lamali. No, the other way. If you tell me that Ad Olam is the main word, so why did the guy write in the start Pereperot? So the Gebra says, Hakamash Malan, Afalgav de Katavla Pereperot, I Katavla Ad Olam in, Ilolo. Right. The Hadush is, when he writes Le Olam, the Hadush is that he wrote Pereperot as well. You know what the Hadush of the Mishnah is? That even though he wrote Pere Perot, he still has to write Le Olam. And if he didn't write Le Olam, Pere Perot is nothing. I'll tell you again. By the fact that the Mishnah gives us the case, how do you write in the star? Pere Perot Le Olam. Well, Le Olam is the main thing. What would you write Pere Perot? The Hidush of the Mishnah is saying, because even if you just wrote Pere Perot, it's nothing until you wrote the word Le Olam. That's why I tell you both. Pere Perot Le Olam. Meaning, don't think Pere Perot is enough. The key is the word Le'olam. Even if you wrote Pere Perot. Even. Pere Perot, Pere Perot, No. Le'olam is the key. So the Hadus is, Le'olam is the main word, and the reason why the Mishnah chose Pere Perot is to tell you, even with that term, it's going to write Le'olam. Last justification. Okay, that's a simple question. And if you tell me you need both, why do you need both? <laughs> why do I need Pere Perot and Le'olam? Le'chaura, one should... Suffice. So comes the Gemara and says, Sericha. I can tell you, you need both. You need Pere Perot and Le'olam. Why? Ti katav la Pere Perot velo katav la Adolam. Hava amina Pere Perot hu de lo achil. Ala pila de Pere Perot achil. Third generation, he can't eat. La achil starich Adolam. I would say, yeah, you know what the Olam is? Perot. Which means, I'm not going to eat Perot forever. So the Gemara really does not answer this question, but at least gives us a justification why I would think to need both. Let's review again. If the guy just would have wrote in the star, the Olam. So what does the Olam mean? The Olam, I'm not going to eat Perot. That's all it meant. And if the guy just saw Pere Perot, I can say, yeah, Pere Perot is not going to eat, but what? Third generation, Pere, Pere, Pere Perot, he wants to eat. Therefore, I have to write both. But the Gemara leaves it in the Safik. The Gemara does not answer which is the real key word according to the Biuda. Is it Perot, Perot, or is it Le'olam, or is it both? So he writes over, Mekeban she Gemara eno poshet et ezer lashono me'akev, that she's always has the disadvantage, and therefore, until it says both terminologies, no, she she has she's limited. She's limited. She get exactly as little as it's worth. Based exactly, say it's worth as little as it's worth for, the, for whatever scenario is written. Good. Ibaidu. Next question.
Similar question. Katavla, the husband writes to his wife, Din udbarim enli benechsaich ubepere perot. Okay, so he's a little clear there. He says, I don't want to have anything to do with your nechassim and pere perot. But he doesn't write, he doesn't write perot. He jumped the second generation. So the Gebra says, Maushi yochal perot. Can he eat the perot? Because he didn't say perot, he said pere perot. So the Gebra says, did he, did, did he remove himself from what he said? Or do we say when he says meaning he's removing himself from everything. Kamara says For sure he's removing himself from everything. You know why? But he didn't remove himself from perot. Which means, you're telling me that he only removed himself from pere perot. But he didn't remove himself from perot. So it means he's eating the perot. If he's eating the perot, how does he have to get pere perot? Okay, that's what the Gebra is going to answer. So the Gebra says, what are you talking about? According to that reasoning, had it none. That which we learned in Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, the Olam Uochel Pere Perot, right? Until until he actually uh, says it uh, explicitly, which is just when he says Perot alone does not affect him for Pere Perot. But he said Perot. So the Gemara says, "Kevan Dachlatino the Pere." Once he ate the, the Pere, which means the the the, the wife eats the uh, Perot because she's saying he gave up the Perot. Right? In the case, in the case, let's review in the Mishnah when he said Perot, she gets Perot, but according to the Yehuda. He didn't give up pere perot. So the wife's eating all the perot. So the, wait, 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 where's the pere perot that he's going to benefit from? So the Gemara says, pere perot mehecha. Ela, what do you have to say? Bidishayra. You have to say, she left over. She didn't eat all the perot. Bidishayr. So also you have to say, when the Torah case, when a guy left over, he didn't eat all the perot. And therefore the shela is where there's going to be pere perot. And the Gemara does not answer this question as well and leaves it in a... Safek, it's a machloket exactly in the halakha, which side do we take? So this question again was, we conclude, when he just writes, perot perotehen, does it affect perot? And don't be worried about a question that if he can eat perot, where are you going to get perot perotehen? Because I can tell you, there was some left over, just like you have to say that in the Mishnah, Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen v'Amen.